Hey, 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 this is your host, Evelyn, and you're listening to episode 68 of Law and Lies, a podcast where we discuss everything about law and all the lies that we're told along with it. In this episode, I have my great friend Kush with me. Say hi to everyone, Kush. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to finally be on Law and Lies, and especially to be here talking about an issue I feel so strongly about, gay rights. That's right, Kush. Today we'll be talking about the MSM blood ban and how it violates the rule of law, along with a bunch of other messed up stuff. Before I get into all the law lingo, I think we should talk about the history of the blood ban. Mind giving us a little insight into the topic, Kush? So, the MSM blood ban was originally enacted in 1983 and prohibited all men who have had sex with other men, often referred to as MSM since 1977, from donating blood because they are at an increased risk of contracting so, the MSM blood ban was originally enacted in 1983, prohibited all men who have had sex with other men, often referred to as MSM, since 1977 from donating blood, because they are at an increased risk of contracting diseases like HIV and AIDS. In 2013, the policy was changed from a lifetime ban to deferral period of five years. In the years following, the five-year deferral period was gradually reduced. It was lowered to 12 months in 2016 and to three months in 2019. Many argue that despite the reduction in the deferral period, the existence of the ban is in itself discriminatory, and many hold the belief that the ban is not only harmful to the LGBTQ plus community, but also breaks the rule of law. Speaking of the rule of law, many say the ban breaks two of the three rules. First, law is necessary to keep peaceful order, and second, the law applies to everyone equally. No one is above the law. Oh no, definitely. The law in this case is not being used to keep peace. Instead, the ban promotes fear, hate, and discrimination towards the LGBTQ community, and increasingly towards gay men. The ban reinforces the false narrative that gay men pose a unique health risk to the public. These ideas are not peaceful and do not help promote order. Instead, it promotes division and disrupts the peace of the LGBTQ community. Totally. Many people say that the ban was enacted during the AIDS epidemic when little was known about the disease, and at the time, the ban may have been necessary to keep order and peace in regards to Canada's blood system, and because of the overall state of panic the country was in. I have to agree with this, but that's not still the case. We now have an increased understanding of the disease. By the early 2000s, a new test was introduced to the Canadian blood system, which could detect HIV within weeks or days of infection. Due to the increased understanding and testing available to detect the disease, it can no longer be argued that the ban is there to protect others and maintain peaceful order. And I think change is long overdue. When it comes to the law applies to everyone equally, it's fair to say that the laws in place to protect people from discrimination did not apply equally to gay men. Even after a decade of discrimination, the law has yet to do anything that will end the MSM blood ban and ensure gay men are treated fairly and equally. I remember that back in 2015, the Liberals campaigned that they would end the blood ban and stated that the policy, quote, ignores scientific evidence and must end. In 2021, Justin Trudeau released a statement in which he said that the Liberals are still, quote, working to bring an end to the discriminatory policy. The New Democrat and Green parties have also opposed the blood ban for quite some time now and have even described it as a, quote, homophobic blood ban. How do you think this connects to the policy not being equal to gay men? 
or something to be discriminatory. It must show an unfair or prejudicial distinction between different categories of people or things, especially on the grounds of race, age, or sex. Having such important political figures in Canada say a policy is homophobic and discriminatory shows us that these policies are not equal for everyone and specifically target the gay community. Rookie conservative MP Eric Duncan, who is gay himself, stated in November 2020 that the ban is based on negative stigma. Anything based on stigma cannot hope to be fair or applied equally to all people. This shows us that as a whole, the policy is discriminatory and is not being applied equally to everyone as we don't see this treatment being reflected amongst people of other sexual orientations. The MSM blood ban is a clear example of ways in which the law did not protect a set of people and wasn't used to enforce the rule of law. Laws are in place to protect people from discrimination, yet they did not protect the gay men who are being affected by this ban. Hasn't the ban undergone a lot of criticism? Definitely. One way in which the MSM blood ban has undergone criticism is on the basis that it violates Section 15 of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, where it states, quote, Every individual is equal before and under the law and has the right to the equal protection and equal benefit of the law without discrimination, and in particular, the discrimination based on race, national or ethnic origin, color, religion, sex, age or mental or physical disability. Gay men are not receiving equal protection against discrimination by the law and are being given the chance to benefit from donating blood. Did you hear about what the Canadian government has done recently? About what? About the Christopher Karras case. It sounds familiar, but I don't remember anything. Okay, well, basically, the federal government creates laws and has the ability to try and dismantle the ban and the structure of hate and pain that has resulted from it. Instead, they have tried to double down on the law in a recent case where the federal government tried to claim that Health Canada has no say in whether a man can or can't donate blood. Oh, wait, I remember this. You're talking about what happened in June this year, where a federal court judge dismissed a case brought up by the federal government where they argued that Health Canada has no say whether a man who has recently engaged in sexual activity with another man is able to donate blood. The government's position tries to block a case brought up by... I believe his name was Christopher Karras? Yeah, it was. Mr. Karras brought the complaint against Health Canada forward in 2016. In 2019, the Canadian Human Rights Commission sent the complaint forward for further inquiry by the Canadian Human Rights Tribunal, saying that it warranted investigation. In response, the Attorney General of Canada tried to put down the ruling on behalf of Health Canada and wanted judicial review of the Commission's decision at the federal court level. Luckily, as we said before, the claim made by the government was dismissed by a federal judge, and Mr. Karras' case is still in motion today. I'm glad the claim was dismissed, but it really gets you thinking. If the people who make laws aren't always on the side of fair and just treatment for all, then do we really have such a fair law system? It's clear to see that the law in this case has failed to serve its purpose in upholding the rule of law. That's a good point, Kush. The law has failed to protect the gay community, but I think, like with all things, our law system is not perfect and can be unfair sometimes. But I also think we are always trying to improve and have a more equal law system for all of Canada. True, true. You know what I don't understand? 
But this is obviously such a big issue, and is clearly discriminatory, hateful, and against the rule of law. And why is there yet to be a case in which the courts make it right and force the FDA to stop the ban? That's because it's harder than it seems. Previous attempts to fight the MSM ban have often been hindered by something called the burden of proof. The burden of proof is a common example of a way in which the courts are unable to hold a person slash organization accountable for their actions and assign a remedy for all those involved. This is due to the fact that it is often hard to collect evidence as the amount and nature of the evidence required can vary greatly depending on the nature of the claim. Although proof of the legislative intent to discriminate is not needed, the claimant must still prove that the law or procedure is in fact discriminatory by nature or the effects are discriminatory. If the MSM blood ban was to be tackled by trying to say it is discriminatory, it would be an equality rights claim which can fail in court if they find that the evidentiary record is inadequate, especially when the claim is based on the understanding and acceptance the courts have of societal patterns instead of having a case based in statistical or social science evidence. Aren't courts supposed to interpret laws to determine when a person or institution is or isn't acting in accordance with the law? Yet even though the blood ban is not in accordance with the law, there is yet to have been a case in which a court's ruling has resulted in the dismantling of the blood ban. Courts are also meant to hold people and institutions accountable for their actions, yet there has been no justice for all the members of the gay community who have been wronged by this ban or accountability for any of the institutions responsible for the continued use of this ban. Besides what's been mentioned before, there are other specific laws that were broken in Charter of Rights Violations, right? Definitely. The biggest challenge against the ban is grounded in administrative procedure. The FDA as an administrative agency must follow certain rules in order for its regulations and guidelines to be binding on the public. Usually the agency must give notice of the considered regulation and publish it in the Federal Register to be binding, as stated in the Administrative Procedure Act, also known as the APA. Many argue that these procedural requirements are amiss with the MSM policy. However, an important aspect is missing in this case whether or not the FDA would even be able to change its policies or an interpretation of its own rules without going through the notice and comment procedure. Just in case some of our listeners don't know, administrative procedures are a set of rules enacted by a private or governmental organization that oversees management decision-making. They ensure that management decisions are objective, fair, and consistent, by helping to establish the legitimacy of the management action. Thanks for that quick overview. I think that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for being here, Kush. No problem. I had a blast, and I'm glad you invited me to be a part of this episode. Well, we appreciate your insight into this topic. Thank you once again. And a big thank you to all our lovely listeners at home. Tune in next week when we'll talk about Indigenous rights in Canada and all that's not so great about this great country we live in. Until next time, this is Aveline signing off.